What makes for a great director or a skilled writer? How do good actors do what they do? Does great art always follow the rules? Welcome to Press Play and Surrender. I'm your host, Owen McQuinn, and I'm an Irish filmmaker and actor. This is my chance to speak to artists of all kinds, as well as industry players, from up-and-comers to established talent. It's a space for in-depth conversation, where personal insights and unexpected tangents are very much encouraged. You're listening to Press Play and Surrender. My guest this week is Ronica Merle. Ronica is a Wicklow-based filmmaker currently preparing for her debut feature, The Closing. Ronica has written over 20 screenplays, has placed highly in the Austin and Nichols screenplay writing competitions. I was delighted to talk to Ronica today, and I really hope you enjoy our conversation. Hey, Ronica, how are you today? Hi, thank you so much for having me on. Thank you very much for taking the time. Thank you for being here. I'm really excited to talk to you. You're my fifth guest on the show. Oh, wow. That's that's great. You're the first person who I've actually never met before. So it's nice to meet you virtually. Oh, right. Okay. Well, that's good. I'm I'm very glad. I'm very glad to to be the first person who's a stranger. That's very exciting. Um, Yeah. I'm curious to learn all about you and your process. Uh, you're uh, yeah. a filmmaker, right? You're a screenwriter slash I'm, filmmaker? Yes. So I'm a screenwriter and director. Um, I am currently based in Wicklow, but I, I, I move around a lot. Um, and I've been at this for about two years now. Um, so it's been, a, it's been a very exciting, uh, it's been a very exciting two years. Um, so yeah, yeah just ask me anything. <laughs> Sure. Well, I guess maybe we'll start a little bit about the beginning of where you grew up and what your parents did. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was, that's a long story. Um, I was born in India and uh, I grew up there. Uh, I, I was born into like a, a very secluded uh, mountain tribe. Um, and so we grew up, I grew up kind of not really in what you'd call normal society. Um, so we were like, all of us were goat herders and we, we lived, you know, with no electricity and no running water and no, you know, we just lived off the mountain really. Um, which is, which is an exciting way to grow up, I suppose. Um, and then I moved to Austria, uh, and I lived in Austria for 14 years then. Um, and then I moved to Ireland about 11 years ago. Um, so it's been a bit of a, it's been a bit, it's been a bit wild, um, which, you know, (laughs) fuels the creativity I suppose yeah no it's really fascinating now how did you how would you compare living in India to living in Austria and Ireland um I suppose because we lived we lived in such a like secluded um off the grid kind of community um and I lived there until I was six or almost seven so you know it it was very different Uh, and i suppose it's one of the reasons that that i wanted to be a filmmaker because the only we didn't have a tv obviously because we didn't have electricity but you know we went whenever we came down from the mountain (laughs) sounds very (laughs) but whenever we came down from the mountain and we went into the like those cities in the valleys um all we ever did was go to the cinema and indian cinema is of course you know it's a huge it's a huge part of of culture so uh, for me, going to the cinema, um, 
and Indian cinemas are very different. So like there'd just be like cows randomly wandering in, <laughs> you know, families sitting on the floor and, and you know, yeah. babies crying. And it, it was more of a social event rather than going to sit and watch a movie. And there was no, you know, there was no chairs. We were all just sitting on the concrete floor with this big projector whirring in the background. Um, so it's a very different experience. Um, but it was kind of then that I that I realized that oh yeah um, I'm I'm probably gonna have to do this one day, um, so that's where that's where it kind of started. Um, and Austria was obviously it was it was it's, it's the complete opposite really, um, you know to live to live in a in a very kind of controlled environment. Um, so yeah, and Ireland is I I've lived here now for eleven years. I moved here in in 2012. Um, so it's my home, really. I, 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 I plan to stay here forever. Um, it's, it's, it's really become my home. Uh, and yeah, filmmaking here obviously is, is incredibly exciting. So yeah, that's my story in a nutshell. Interesting. And so you come to filmmaking, you said in the last two years, it's quite recently. Mm -hmm. And yeah. what kind of work were you doing before that? Or what were your interests before that? Uh, I was I was raising my children. That was my main job uh, in my early twenties, um, and then I worked for Google. I worked for Microsoft. I did I did quite. I, I worked at Microsoft HQ for a while. Um, so I was I was you know in IT. Um, being Indian, that's you know that's the path you have to go. Um, but um, yeah, I worked in IT for a while. Then I worked in sales for a while. So I I was kind of I I I did the I tried to do the the normal job thing. Um, that and then I realized that it wasn't it wasn't going to work out, and I I had to I had to do what I really wanted to do with my life, um, which was writing. And then I started writing, and then um, about two years ago, I made the jump into into filmmaking. Um. So yeah, it, it was a, it was a slow journey to get to the point. But when I then decided that I was going to be a filmmaker no matter what, I was going to be a director. Um, it all happened very very quickly for me. Yeah, because like yeah. I was looking up about you online, and it seems like you've been in the business for many years. You know, based on the amount of accomplishments you have. Um, yeah, it seemed like oh, at least ten years. So I was kind of surprised to hear just two years. Um, yeah, but the desire was always there. The desire was always there. Um, I think, yeah, like I said, you know, Indian cinema, and then um, when when I was eleven, the Lord of Lord of the Rings came out, and uh, I think that a lot of filmmakers in my generation are going to point are going to pinpoint to two thousand and one, you know, December yeah. two thousand and one. I was also eleven in um, two thousand and one. It's it's yeah, and so it was it was that moment when you know when when the Lord of the Rings came out, and I discovered that this is what film can do to you. Um, yeah, it was it was a very clear cut decision for me to to uh, yeah okay, so this is where I'm gonna go. And then I I wrote a play two years later um, that I was very lucky to be selected in like my little town's um, theater uh, to be put to be put on so that was my first experience kind of with writing um and so yeah that was that was my that was my first foray into the world and then I kind of got busy living life and then uh I came back to it uh when I was 29. Right and how would your parents like because you didn't go right into filmmaking maybe out of college but would they have been encouraging about a career in the arts or oh god my um 
my family is very uh <laughs> it's a topic that you might not want to go uh broach because my family is very um horrifying my family okay. is very very bad so my parents have nothing really to do with right. any choices that i make um which is you know that's that's a very it's it's interesting that you say that because i know a lot of people who go into the arts have that kind of um i suppose obligation or responsibility that they feel like oh i'm going to be disappointing or i'm going to be told that i should go get a real real job um and it's 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 a difficult situation for a lot of people to to have to make that conscious choice of of um you know no i'm going to be an artist i'm i'm not going to go get a normal job um on the one hand i'm very lucky in that i never had to answer to anyone um really in in any of the choices that i made and on the other hand i really understand that that for a lot of people it's it's quite a it can be we can be held back quite badly um if we're not being encouraged by our family or if we're not being encouraged by our partners or by anyone by anyone in our in our surroundings um So yeah, it's really interesting that you bring it up because it it's it is a point for a lot of people. Uh for a lot of people wanting to go into the arts, it's it's a thing that holds them back. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is it is I guess it can be really good if your family support you or encourage you. Yeah. But at the same time, it can be like a double-edged sword because for myself, I, you know, was making films from a young age. and yeah. entering film festivals for teenagers for example yeah. and like my parents were super encouraging but at the same time yeah. that then built up within me a huge expectation about yeah. what I should be achieving because if yeah. you're told as a very very young person oh you're really talented you're really good at this yeah. then if you're not immediately seeing results in your 20s then you're just like oh have i failed you know yeah Exactly, exactly. And it, because because a career in the arts isn't like any other career, like say a carpenter, you know, you 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 do your you do your training and then a few years later you can call yourself a carpenter and you're just that's just your job. But in in the arts and in film especially, we don't have that, you know, we don't have that set success goal. Um and especially because you, nobody can really define success for you. Somebody some somebody might define winning a festival with a short film as a major 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 success and that that is a major success but then the next person will only say oh no 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 unless you make a billion dollars at the box office you're not actually successful you know which is so yeah. you cannot just say okay if you if you're a lawyer and you become a lawyer and you start working in a law firm that's that's you that's you your job that's you are successful as a lawyer because you're a lawyer you can't not say that you're not a lawyer but are you still a filmmaker if you if you make two short films a year i would say yes of course you are but do does everybody else think that you are so it's it's because we don't have a set definition of what uh success is as an artist um it's very very difficult for us to then like you said answer to to the expectations of what what you're supposed to be doing with your life Yeah, and also it's not linear, you know. You can have yeah. setbacks. The trajectory exactly. is not all uphill, you know. You can go you can have you can go backwards and then you can go forward, take two steps back, one step forward. 
Um, exactly. Yeah. Tell me, so if you've been doing it more full time in the last couple of years, were you kind of, did you kind of, was the pandemic something that maybe triggered you to go all um, in? I think I think that obviously the pandemic would have played would have played a certain uh, role to it, but I don't think it was. I think it was uh, it was me. Th it was my thirtieth birthday, um, so I'd always said I always said that look, I'm gonna do I'm gonna do my normal life kind of job um, until I'm thirty. But when I'm thirty, I'm really gonna have to push um, my career because you know, thirty. Um, so the pandemic rolled around and you know everything everything was going fine and I was I was still in my job I was working from home I was raising my kids I was it was perfectly fine and it was perfectly normal um and then my 30th birthday rolled around and I was like oh damn <laughs> I better I missed my window I didn't get I didn't do the thing that I wanted to do by the by the time I'm 30 what do I do now and then uh, my job's requirements changed and they needed me back in the office and I was like okay hold on no i'm not i'm not i'm just i refuse i am not coming back to the office i will not um and so i did some calculations i'd started to get hired for like um i started to get hired more um and i was earning i was earning you know a reasonable amount on, on uh script coverage and 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 just work um and so yeah 30 days after my 30th birthday i i quit my job uh, and it was very much a, it was very much a, a thing of I, I wanted to do this. I've been wanting to do this. I had set myself a goal of doing this at this exact time. Um, and then just the decision to actually to actually take the jump um, and to actually go and and, you know, quit the day job and become a professional uh, filmmaker. Um, and it was it was it was a it wasn't a difficult decision to make. I think the the making of the decision was very very easy. Um, the aftermath was complicated because I had to all of a sudden you know earn <laughs> more than I had than I had to before. So, um, but I would not I would not regret it for a second. I I it was it was the right thing to do, um, and I would never go back to to a corporate job. I don't think I could. Um, it's just not soul crushing to me. Yeah, yeah. There's so much potential that you're wasting if you're a, an artist and you're not able to express yourself. You're not able to yeah. practice. So tell me yeah. then, what does screenwriting? Because you've written quite a few screenplays. What does the process look like to you? Like, do you outline, for example, or do you just start? Mm -hmm. So my writing process is quite, uh, I, I'm quite, at the start, you know, when you're starting out as a writer, you don't really know what you're doing. You don't really, you don't really understand what it takes um, to just, you know, consistently create material that, that is, that is on a level that, that is sellable. Um, so when I started out, I was very kind of higgledy-piggledy and just kind of wrote uh, into, like, into the blue. Uh, and I tend to write quite quickly. Um, it tends to take it, it. It tends to take me about twenty four to forty eight hours to create to create a first draft of a, of a feature length uh, script, because I tend to think that if I don't want to, you know, sit down and write it all in one go, um, the idea isn't really good enough. So if I start writing a script and I'm not willing to stay up the night to write it, then presumably ain't 
nobody want to stay up the night to watch the movie or read the script. So um, I tend to I tend to be quite selective with what I actually write. So at the start of my at this, I started writing screenwriting in 2019. Um, so for the first few years, I was just a writer. Um, so I wrote everything. I wrote, you know, I wrote whatever idea came to my head and I, I just wrote the entire thing and I put a lot of effort in, which is good because I had to learn the process. I had to learn uh, everything about writing. I had to understand what it is to, to, to create a good screenplay. I'm quite selective now in what I write. Um, I'm quite selective in, in what I actually put the effort into actually writing um, because I know a lot of ideas are just that. They're just ideas. So I'll just, you know, kind of jot down a few notes and then put it to the side. And if it doesn't excite me, then I'm not going to, you know, sit down to write it because, you know, my writing is is you know, it's valuable now. I the time that I put in has to has to lead to something. It has to either lead to production or whatever. Um, so now my writing process is that if I get an idea or if I if I get uh, you know a, either it's an idea that I want to work on or or it's a commission. If I get a commission, I sit down and I will outline very very quickly on like half a page and like 500 words just very quickly what I need the the story to be or what the brief was so for example for my first feature um I got a brief from a producer saying this is what I want the story to be write me a screenplay so I sat down and I I outlined the story and then I just went by the beats that the producer had given me and I just kind of went and did the work it's it's just it's a job at that point where you have to just follow the brief that you're given if it's an idea that I want to work on personally for my own sake, um, like, you know, with the closing, it would have been that. Um, same process. I sit down, I write around 500 words, just an outline of what the, the story is going to be. And then I just sit down and write the entire screenplay. I don't outline much. I don't really do any character work. I don't really do any, like, plot work or, you know, cards or whatever. I just write the entire screenplay in its entirety. Um, because I find you have you have a lot of you have a lot of material then that you can work from. Uh, you have a, a solid first draft that you can really kind of um, dig into. And obviously, your first draft, if you're doing it in that process where it's just a very quick first draft, you're gonna need a lot of extra work that goes in um, after the fact. So I tend to have around five drafts after. Um, my first draft where I just refine uh, refine the characters refine the the plot not so much if I sway too far from the original plot then I'm you know then I tend not to I tend not to you know go too far away from from the plot lines that I'd outlined but characters of course um, scenes situations what I choose to show how I choose to show it um, so that's kind of my process is it, it's a very it's a very quick process, um, and it, that just comes with experience and professionalism, um, where you just kind of know your craft and you 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 understand what it is that you need to be doing in order to get a sellable, you know, well put together screenplay at the end. Mm. And do you do you find like techniques like the three act structure really useful, or do you adhere to that kind of principle? Um, I have never read Save the Cat. 
<laughs> I've never read Save the Cat. I have never read uh, any of the like big ones. I should probably do. I, I, uh, I'm very fortunate sometimes to to teach uh, screenwriting at Griffith, and I'm I always feel like such an imposter when I walk into a college, and everybody knows more than me technically about screenwriting. Um, so no, I don't. I don't. It, it it comes up naturally anyway. Any good story will naturally will naturally fall into what you're you know your classical structure is uh because that's just how a story develops naturally i think if you if you go into a story with saying oh it's the bottom of page 12 i must now reach the you know the inciting incident has to happen here so it it it, 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 it tends to constrict now when you're starting out yeah absolutely when you're starting out and you need structure and you need to you need to uh understand how story works or how a screenplay works, um, do. But try to find a way to to make it become muscle memory. Try to find a way to internalize it so much that it, it happens naturally to you anyway, that you don't have to think about it. Um, and that can only happen with experience. It can only happen by reading a huge amount of screenplays, watching a huge amount of movies, and writing so, 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 so much. So I have written... I don't know, my last count, probably around 25, 26 uh, feature length screenplays. Most of them are really bad. Most of them are awful. Most of them will never see the light of day because they're just really shit. Um, but I had to write them in order to learn right. why they're so shit. Um, I yeah, had to yeah. write them in order to understand what I'm doing. And now it's muscle memory where I wouldn't, I wouldn't sit down and say, oh, I'm 30 pages in. I must now move into act two. No, you don't. Yeah. You just you just do because you understand what you're doing. Well, it does happen very intuitively anyway. Like I remember yeah. even like a short film I made as a teenager and then going to film school and learning about you know plot structure and yeah. it was all there. All the things yeah. that they were teaching us were was in the short film. I had no idea yeah. um exactly. what I was doing. Like it is very instinctual. Um and so I was wondering also, how do you approach dialogue? Like for characters, how do you make it natural? Do you try to make it sound natural? Maybe it needs to be a bit heightened because it's a movie or what do you think? Um, I think just uh, when you're an introvert, as I am, um, you just listen to people a lot. Um, and what's so interesting, and this gets me very excited because I love talking about this because it's very, very, um, it's very, very specific. Um, so in order to create good dialogue, dialogue that really works, uh, what I always say to, to you know, students or, or people who want to learn is that um, most of the time is what the characters don't say. It's much more interesting. Um, so have the characters say as little as possible out loud. Because we don't tend to, when we talk with each other, we don't tend to say what we actually mean. We don't tend to say what, what actually is our intention behind the words that are coming out of our mouth. Um, so there's two there's two things that I would say in order to create really 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 good dialogue that really works and that feels realistic is a first in your first draft say everything that the character is in, is intending to say like say the say the thi say the thing that they're thinking and then take that out take that out and then say the thing that they're 
trying not to say, right? So you need to know what the character's thinking, right? In the first instance, you need to understand what what is this character thinking. So have them say it out loud because that's the best way to convey it to yourself as a writer. Um, have them just do a big monologue about why, I don't know, you can't handle the truth. Um, and then take it out, take it back out and then say only the words that give you a hint of what's going on inside the brain but don't actually give give the audience everything. Let the audiences are really, really, really smart. Audience are, audiences are made up of, up of people who live in society who understand how you know dialogue really works. And audiences are really smart. And if you're really smart in your editing, if you're really smart in the way you present it, and if you're smart in your direction, then you can convey a lot without ever having to say anything at all. Um, so, so less is more and the less you can say and the more you can convey in visual terms or with your direction or with the way you edit it or with the way you, you present your film, um, a lot better. So if you can, a scene should be understandable with no, nothing said at all. So if you can construct your scene in such a way that a look between the characters will tell you everything you need to know, perfect. If in doubt, don't say anything right so that that would be my first thing um so if you can, can if you if you it, it's a good practice um to write a scene in such a way that if you'd put you know two or three actors in a room and they wouldn't talk to each other at all this sentiment would still travel and that brings me to my second point is working with actors work with actors yeah. for the love of god work with actors you cannot even if you if you if, even if you don't want to be a director even if you just want to be a writer, even if you want to be a novelist, I don't care. If you want to be a good writer, you get yourself in a room with actors and make them say the shit that you're trying to write down. Because if your words are unsayable, no, nothing will ever, it, it, it doesn't work. You need to work with actors. Actors are the most glorious um conduit to good dialogue because and especially if they're actors who will be honest with you <laughs> because find yourself find yourself some actor friends who will tell you that this is this shit is unsayable i cannot say this it's gonna break my tongue if i say it um because actors obviously they're training and and what they are what they are trained to do is to find ways of saying things that you know work well um so yeah, those two things is is less is more with dialogue and and really if you have a first or second draft of your screenplay, you do a table read. I it's it is the one thing that is really going to be uh it, it's the one thing that's going to be most helpful to you um is getting actors in a room and doing a table read with them and and hearing your words out loud. It's it is the most it's the most important thing. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I think the reason why more of that, like table reads, don't happen is because writers are too afraid to hear that it won't sound good. You know, it won't sound real. Yeah. Yeah. And writers are writers tend to be so precious. And I would say, you know, don't be don't be precious about your words. If somebody says to you that your screenplay isn't up to scratch yet, it's probably because it's not up to scratch yet. Um, yeah. And as writers, we can't be, we cannot be precious about about what we've written down. It's just, it's the starting point of the process, uh, not the end point. Right. 
And I was wondering also just about getting your work out there. I mean, you're gearing up to make a feature film now, The Closing, right? Mm -hmm. But yeah. how, for example, do you establish the relationship with your producer or any other people involved? Mm -hmm. um, I oh, this is a very interesting question because I, I feel like I haven't done anything. Um, now, I'm quite loud on social media. I'm quite... I'm quite loud in general. I'm quite a loud person, um, which you know that I do with that information, which you will. But um, <laughs> I I understand that, and this is this is probably me coming in being not Irish. Um, Irish people, I love you guys so much, but Irish people tend to have this hesitancy towards self promotion. You guys tend to be very kind of oh geez now, don't get notions. I don't have that. <laughs> I don't have that filter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was born with that filter of, oh, what you know, don't, <laughs> don't show off about yourself. You know, don't have notions yeah. about yourself. And yeah, I'm like, yeah. I'm out here having notions. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Life's too short. I got Long all the notions. notions. Yeah. And we should all have notions. It's a show business, baby. If we don't have yeah. notions, then, you know, um, so no, absolutely. So for me, uh, yeah, establishing establishing relationships is quite easy uh, because I I am not afraid to to reach out to people and say, hey, I got a thing, um, and it's gonna happen. And uh, if you want in, then here is your chance. It's not. I don't tend to go and ask people for for please please work with me. It, it tends to be of oh, I'm doing this. You want you want to join me? I'm because it's happening. So you can just yeah. join me. Um, so if you go in with that attitude, um, then it tends to be it tends to be a different conversation rather than if you're knocking on people's doors saying, hi, please, can you work with me? It's not. No, I'm yeah. I'm doing my work. Uh, and if you want in, then the door is open. Um, but, you know, if you don't want in, then you don't right. have to. It's um, like setting up that idea of inevitability about a project. Yeah. It's happening. It's happening. Yes. And no matter exactly. what, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And that attitude tends to that attitude tends to get you get you uh, everywhere. So I'm and I also have this this uh, very strong belief that I don't ever go after people. People tend to come to me. Um, so the producer for the closing, um, they came to me. Um, I most of the people that that are working on this project are ones that came to me. Um, I I. I tend not to. I tend not to knock on doors, um, which I'm incredibly grateful for. I don't know where you know. I I don't know how I get so lucky that people want to come work with me. I'm very 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 grateful that they do, and I'm very very lucky. I understand that. I understand how lucky I am. Um, but it's also it is as exactly as you said. It's it's an it's inevitable that the it's inevitable that the closing will get made, um, and if people want to be involved in the process then my door is open because I, I believe collaboration is the most important thing uh, that we could ever possibly do in filmmaking um, I believe that the more people want to come in the better I am not you know I, I love working with people I think other people's creativity is so inspiring to me um, it's so exciting to work with other people like it's the best thing ever um, so yeah, it's 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 really a question of attitude, um, I think, um, and a question of openness and a question of inviting people um, to share your path with you. 
Yeah, and before we go, can you just give me a brief kind of synopsis of what we can look forward to in the closing? Um, what um, is the film about, as far as yeah, you're concerned? Yeah, so... Yeah, the closing is a thriller set on a on an island uh, off the west coast of Ireland, and it centers around women who have been uh, held captive there, and uh, a young man who inherits the house that they've been held in, um, and he must decide, you know, what to do, um, whether whether to take the the money he's being offered or whether to to help um, with their situation. And in the end, it turns out, you know. He's not. He's not their knight in shining armor. And in reality, it's it's the the women's own strength and uh, their empowerment that really uh, gets them out of the situation, or or not, or doesn't get them out of the situation. We don't. Um, so it's it's it's. I call it folk feminism. It's a very it's a very folksy fairy tale like setting um, with very uh, strong feminist and and female empowerment. Um, themes uh, running throughout it and it, it's it's the team around it is so diverse and the team around it is is mainly made up of women so we have a female producer we have a female director we have a female dop we have a female associate producer we have you know a lot of a lot of the the team is is made up our production designers are female so um it's a very it's a very uh, female-centric film and a very female-centric project which which excites me uh to no end um, which is very, yeah, it's a, it's a very exciting, very good project. Um, and we should be able to release it on streaming services in North America, um, early 2024. That sounds great. That's so cool. Especially that you've gotten so many female filmmakers involved. Um, yeah. because it is so important mm-hmm. to have that kind of gender parity, right? It's, it's, uh, it's just. For me, it wasn't even deliberate. It wasn't even a deliberate choice that I was making. Um, it was more of a, again, people came came to me, um, and and you know, and were invited in, and I, I I wanted to work with them because they were really really brilliant people. And then we looked around and we were like, oh, <laughs> just us girls in this room. Um, so, which was which was a really exciting prospect. Um, uh, but you know, there's obviously so many talented men working on this project as well. So I'm not, I'm not, you know, in any way saying that that it's it's just women. Um, but yeah, I'm very excited. I'm very excited for the team that that we've built. It's a really, really uh, strong team. That's great. Well, best of luck with it. And listen, thank you so much for being on the podcast. It was thank you so much. You. It was so nice. Thank you so much for having me on. And I'm looking forward to to hearing it. Great. Thanks, Ronica. See you again soon. Thank you. So that was me talking to Ronica Merle. Uh, I had a really good time chatting to Ronica. She brought up some really interesting points about screenwriting. It was really great to dig into that screenwriting technique that she's developed. And I hope to have more similar conversations with writers in future where we really parse out the process. This has been Press Play and Surrender. Thank you for listening. Please consider subscribing wherever you find your podcasts.